song you just heard is Dog of War by the Hell Yeah Babies, which means I'm Nick Bond. I'm Rich Cases. What the fuck are you doing here, Rich? I hopped off the time machine and kind of wandered into this other set. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right? You really had to mention the time machine in the show? Um. You know what? Enough. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Rich is here because A, he's on the podcast Beyond, so we figured we'd bring him on the show. And B, Andy has only seen two Jason Statham movies, and since we were doing the Hobbs and Shaw trailer, yes, just the trailer, as this episode, I wanted to start off by talking about someone who's seen more than two Jason Statham movies, though you actually have seen like three or four, and two of them are the ones that Andy have seen. But uh, I think it's the ironic that the two that you have both seen are the Crank 1 and Crank 2 movies, which to me, when I think of Cesaro, who we talked about last week, what I think about is that like Crank style, which sounds terrible, but the Crank style hot tags. He'll just go, go in like a train. He's crazy. Yeah. European uppercuts everywhere, throwing people around. And I think that part of the problem that he has, because uh, we talked a decent amount, the, the last week about maybe Cesaro is the his own worst enemy is that he can't keep up that pace with everyone for an entire match because not everybody can keep up that pace but he looks so good at that pace that it, ruin, it doesn't ruin him but it, it hinders him and I feel like with one of the charming things about Jason Statham is that yes he always plays that same kind of gruff character but he is able to switch from comedy to action to like fighting and all of these different ways in between he has a kind of he has something that Cesaro doesn't despite the fact that they kind of have a similar appeal as this like brooding European strong man character who's there to kick ass take names and look awesome while doing it you could trust Statham having like talking talking to a seed no problem Cesaro he cuts a serviceable promo. That's really it. And I think that's a huge difference is that uh, Cesaro doesn't draw you in in the way that Statham seems as a guy that you'd want to hang out with, even if he wasn't a big brooding badass. And Cesaro in real life seems like that type of person, but that's not a character that really translates to wrestling because it's kind of laid back, charming, like a smarter than everybody else in the room. I mean, the guy speaks five languages, but like making jokes in back of class kind of thing that he has and that doesn't really work for a character that's supposed to be a superman where the jason statham character is usually a much more in your face kind of person when it comes to his personality as much as his fighting i agree with you there and also like in terms of time frame like cesaro only has anywhere from like five to ten minutes of a segment on, on a weekly television show statham has a whole movie to develop any character he has yeah and cesaro has works well in buddy situations like for almost the inverse reason that jason statham works in buddy situations like he's in spy he's in hobbs and shaw which we'll get into in a minute uh before we get in our discussion with darren with statham uh he's great because he doesn't and i don't think so i think cesaro might do this so statham doesn't take himself too seriously he's willing to sell out not that cesaro is a generous person in the ring but he takes the sport too seriously and i think jason statham understands that part of the 
crazy thing about his life is that he gets to be a big dumb idiot who beats the shit out of people in action movies and he kind of relishes that in the way that i feel like cesaro sees what he does is much more and i don't mean this in a bad way or a derogatory way much more of an art form it's much more of something that's really special and beautiful and i agree with him but like I don't think Jason Statham doesn't take movies seriously, but I think he understands that like it's really goofy that he gets paid five to ten million dollars a movie to punch people. Well, there's the thing too, like it all depends on the movie Statham's a part of. It's like a jokey role, then you know, he has to embrace that role that he's put in. And if Statham's allowed to like do something where he's able to like kind of show his own ass and kind of be the, the butt of a joke every once once in a while, then it works for him. Yeah, and I think Cesaro, and that's why I think he worked with Seamus, is that Cesaro and Seamus could make fun of each other, and it came off as two guys that got along. And I think you see that in the Hobbs and Shaw trailer, that it's two guys that may be on opposite ends of a certain kind of tough guy spectrum. Statham wants to get in, get the shit done, and do it in the like the most not the most badass way possible, but just that like be like get from point A to point B the quickest where like, it feels like Hobbs in this case is yeah. Yeah. is much more like I, I, I have you seen how big and strong I am? Of course, I'm just going to do the most awesome shit possible. And not only that, he's very showboaty. And I think yeah. Seamus overall is a little more showboaty. Oh, definitely. Too. But I think that they bring out the best in each other. Like, uh, in for instance, and to compare the two, it reminds me of, like, if you were to see Seamus, the bar fight that they have when they first started being friends. That they beat the shit out of everybody together. The bar before the bar. Yeah, the bar before the bar. And that reminds me a lot of the scene in the Hobbs and Shaw trailer. For those who haven't seen it, stop the podcast right now and go watch it. It's amazing. Wait. Um, Not the whole two minutes, but all right. All right. Pause and go. All right, you're back. The scene where they're walking through the two what are look like basically interrogation rooms or the clear rooms, and at the end there's the face scan. Yes. And uh, they start off by Rock saying, oh, pick a door. Pick a door. All right, then. No, that's my door. Pick another door. What's wrong with you? You know what? You were right. This is your door. What's the matter? You got a lot of bad guys behind that door? And then they go through the respective doors and rock hits a giant man with a giant wrench. Cause he's, he's also a giant man. And then Jason Statham does like an old boy style beat the shit out of a bunch of guys in a tight quarter uh, corridor, basically move. And then they both get to the face scan and rock just throws the big guy's head into the face scan and it acts it works first time. And Jason Statham just starts banging the dude's head against the face scan and it's Why not working. Won't this work? <laughs> yeah. And Why it's, won't this work? and it's something Why won't this work? that I think that they should actually do with, cesaro more is have him do more like action comedy stuff because he's so freakishly strong that he can make it look good he should do not that necessarily where you're banging a guy's head against the thing and trying to get a face scanner to work but the equivalent of that in a wrestling ring as a wrestler can you think of um well actually in, in terms of that i think that's why the, the swing got over as mm-hmm. much as it did because it's i mean as freakishly strong of a move as it is it's a very silly movie yeah. concept. And it's also like it knocks him. I think that's a great point is that that silliness that you get from the Cesaro swing is all he's been doing it his entire career, which is something I didn't realize. He can also straw show off his ability. And I think that's what that scene, the, the one spot 
from the Hobbs and Shaw trailer it reminds me of like that that they definitely there's a definite connection between there. And uh so there's some other really wrestling shit in the Hobbs and Shaw trailer. So at this point Again, if you haven't seen it, go watch it because we're going to be talking about the Hobbs and Shaw trailer. We're not going to wait again. Yeah, yeah we're, we're moving along as the trailer does. Uh, you would get introduced to Idris Elba, who is uh, basically Black Superman. And they really establish him as a formidable opponent for Hobbs and Shaw, both of them at the same time, because they need them to be in this superhero world that you've only watched the first four Fast and Furious movies, right? Yeah. So you don't really have an understanding of the superhero world that they kind of find themselves in. Not quite, yeah. But you can tell just from that trailer what they're going for. They have created this world where these people are, aren't are like full-blown Superman superheroes, but they are like almost an advanced, on the powered by family group of superheroes basically i agree and also like they're trying to make something like they're, they're putting the villain so high just because they have the two heroes and the fact it's two heroes you need a bigger antagonist to go up against them and it'll, it really seems like it actually works because Idris Elba seems awesome there's also that really great shot of them it, i think it's the rock punching Idris Elba who's punching Jason Statham at the same time in slow motion there's a lot of and this is something, um, spoiler alert, Darren and I did talked before, Rich and I, we talked about the ways in which them being wrestler, The Rock being a wrestler has kind of come back around as one of the selling points of his movies. He's going to do stuff that, I don't want to say reference his career, but references his previous occupation, if that makes sense. Like, they're not going to, like, do the people's eyebrow, but they're going to say, he's a wrestler, let's do some wrestling-style shots of stuff and some wrestling-style moves that you're going to see. Sure, because it's very familiar. Like, people are like, oh, that's kind of funny. And he looks good doing it. It's a very natural motion for him to do because he practiced it so much and the way that you watch like a fight with a stone cold steve austin and it looks more realistic than a lot of fights you'll see because he's used to fake fake not fake fighting but scripted fighting that's choreographed on some level not at the level of a fight in a movie but at a level where you understand you understand how to not punch somebody with full force yeah you know how not to not to hurt them but make it look good. Yeah, exactly. It's something you're starting to see with like Batista too, another guy who's who's starting to make a career in actual acting and then just retired to focus on acting. He always plays physical behemoth because it's kind of hard not to notice he's six foot five and like two hundred and eighty pounds of pure muscle. But here's the thing though, what's the role he's mostly known for? Drax. Who's just a big beast, but he's a very comedic character. Yeah, exactly. And he really um he gets to use his physicality in a way that it won't he won't ever be the king of the, the the most powerful being in the marvel universe but he's a really important part of the spectrum almost the wwe he's a not santino he's more of like a victor kozlov that character in the larger world of vladimir kozlov, vladimir kozlov sorry uh, okay. um and for that you you do really see this translation of the physicality of wrestling and you definitely see that in uh what is maybe my favorite scene in any trailer which is well actually before we get to that i just remembered do you know who's in the hobbs and shaw trailer again if you haven't seen it go watch it roman reigns is in the trailer and they do the ceremonial samoan dance the big dog 
the big dog, they show him very prominently twice. You can really see that they're the rock understands that he has now built a bridge from wrestling to the larger world of entertainment. And that's important for him for, in terms of his legacy for the company he used to work for and presumably had a lot of goodwill towards in the WWE. I mean, they just worked together on a movie. He's really giving and, and obviously the rock uh, Roman Reigns is his I mean, cousin. Uh, yeah. Relation there. Yeah. He's him a bone. Yeah. It, 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 but you can really see the ways in which, there is now this pipeline that you can go to rest from wrestling to acting and a large part that's from from the rock and in maybe the most like i said that showmanship of action movies it really you can see the translation when they do the the haka i believe or whatever the samoan equivalent of of the ceremonial dance that the New Zealand, the Maori do in New Zealand, it's whatever the Samoan version of that is. I don't want to say the wrong thing, and then yeah, have, no, I'll have it. all of our Samoan fans so I'll, I'll just headbutt that. me. I, that's why I said the wrong thing. But yeah, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. That's this really showy thing that you could that literally the Usos used to do, and it's something that like really makes you feel the character's origins in a way that I think it kind of does with the Usos is you think about them as Rikishi's kids, but you also think about them as this part of this larger Samoan dynasty. And you have it that with Roman in these movies now with the rock, but also that wrestling aspect, which I know I said I would get to it and I, I I'm going to get to it right now. The best single thing I've ever seen in a trailer, which is the rock pulling down a helicopter with a single bicep curl. I mean, you haven't done this before? No. No, I haven't. No? But you know who has? Braun Strowman. That's what it reminded me of. I saw that and I was like, that is the most bra- awesome Braun Strowman shit I have ever seen. It's true. You know, they, they did it right right in the, the perfect spot of the trailer. And it's like just Braun lifting up an ambulance. Yeah, exactly. Or uh, grappling hooking down the backstage. <laughs> There's this real sense of larger than lifeness that i think almost directly translates from wrestling to this movie that and the characters of the fast and furious world that's really this like supernatural larger than life thing that is still it feels i don't want to say manufactured but it feels like part of the suspension of disbelief is believing these people are impossibly strong but it doesn't take away. You're never like, oh, you couldn't really do that. You're saying to yourself, in this universe, The Rock can do that. I mean, in the context of the story, you can believe it. It's like the like they're putting Braun in a position where you realize, like, this is the type of character who could do these things in this world. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's a really awesome way to establish the excitement for the movie. Believe me, because I I actually I've I've also haven't I I know a lot about them. But anybody that listens to the show know I don't watch movies or read books unless I have to, uh, which is why we just had the Hobbs and Shaw trailer because so I didn't have to watch the, all the Fast and Furious movies. But I'm going to see Hobbs and Shaw the day it comes out. I'm so trust you. yeah, I, they really did get over on me as a wrestling fan with the bicep curl, with the having a super great heel to fight against, the tag team to fight against. And when we come back from speaking with Darren, which we're about to do in a minute, uh, we will be talking about the history of tag teams that can they coexist uh that that trope and i'm gonna also talk to you about your history with tag teams so uh we're gonna 
cut ourselves off right now and we're going to go say hi to Darren for about 15 to 20 minutes and we're going to come back and close out the show together. Hi, Darren. Hi, Darren. You're going to talk to him, I'm not. I know, but it's nice to say hi to him twice. Oh, all right. You only have to say bye once, you get twice as many hellos. Damn. He really is Black Superman. And I am here, of course, as I just mentioned, with Darren. Uh, Darren, uh, just for the people who don't know, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your job, and, uh, you know, stuff like that? My name is Darren Jackson. I work at WWE Studios. I am a business affairs and legal affairs manager, uh, whatever that means. And it means a lot of things. Um, and it, Especially today. Especially today, yes. Um, I'm wearing one of my mini hats as I do this interview with nick you watch the hobbs and shaw uh, hobbs and shaw trailer uh watching it can you see the the ways in which rocks wrestling comes through when he's i don't know pulling down a helicopter with his bicep yeah and yes definitely and it's interesting because the way that he's presented in the hobbs and shaw trailer is the way he was presented in say the rundown and to a lesser extent the scorpion king like they wanted to remind people that hey this guy's a wrestler doing a movie but they're, it's sort of bookended his entire acting career because initially they started doing that then they moved away from it like no no he's just an actor leave the rest alone we're not really trying that anymore he's just a hollywood guy but now they've since he's established they can cash back in on that like hey remember when he used to be a wrestling guy isn't this funny and cute and hilarious callback so it's, it's interesting how we sort of like yeah, like book ended his acting career with this type of action. Yeah, and I and I think that you see that in the larger sense of people wrestling has become much more legitimate of a, a an art form. So I think there is also less of a and, and in large part because of the Rock and Batista and and really those two are the ones that I really think of in terms of making it something that's respected as a gateway. Um, it's no longer, oh my God, I can't believe this guy used to be a wrestler. It's like, oh, that's cool that he used to be a wrestler. That's kind of a cool thing now. Dwayne definitely paved, helped pave the way for that. And whether or not him going into Hollywood was explicitly meant to get um, wrestling over, per se, which it was, but whether or not that was his specific intent, that's what ended up happening. Like he legitimized wrestling in the entertainment industry in a way that it hadn't been since perhaps no holds barred in like the late eighties and mid eighties, stuff like that. Like in terms of being an entertainment cultural phenomenon, it was still seen as entertainment then before becoming a circus again in the nineties and Dwayne helped get it back into the entertainment sphere. Um, is generally perceived anyway. Us having a podcast about this stuff. Isn't weird anymore. I think if we, if barring the ignoring the idea that podcasts weren't as prominent as they were like when we were in college it wouldn't be crazy to for instance if we had a blog about basically this podcast it would have been really weird to do in that time that's not to say that the connections weren't there but the you would have been seen as uh, for lack of a better term, kind of stretching everything. Uh, like, I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. You would be... It's tinfoil. Yeah, stuff. exactly. Like, oh, these are all the connections. And I think that we have established... We, not we meaning the show, but we, uh, wrestling fans, I should say, have a kind of broad... There's enough good people who like wrestling that it has now lost the stigma in terms of a fan perspective. And because of that, more people are interested in going. So it be has become kind of a way to launch 
if not uh, like a juggernaut career, maybe the way The Rocks is, uh, you can now become like a character actor, which is kind of what Batista's doing, or you can kind of become an action comedy star the way that I, I think that The Rock is a writ large movie star. And I think John Cena is more of like a, a smaller time action comedy star. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think John Cena's ceiling is like um, the dude from not Black Hawk Down, um, Josh Harnett. Like yeah. that kind of a thing, like not quite, not as high as Mark Wahlberg, but Josh Harnett, like with the furrowed brow, he's gonna you're gonna get him in a, in a soldier soldier role, or a serious boyfriend, like a brooding boyfriend role, kind of a thing, and some comedies too. But that's like that's as far as you're gonna get with him, which is fine. But the, to your point, there's room for that now for him and others like him. Yeah, you can see somebody like Becky Lynch, or and and these are films that y'all worked on. Uh, uh, with the Marine Six, you can see the ways in which that could be used as poor, kind of like a highlight reel for getting a job and uh, outside of the context of WWE Studios. With all due respect, uh, oh, yeah, but yeah. well, that's, that's the entire point, though. That's been the the, um, the modus operandi since day one is to get them out in the into people's living rooms in a ways that they're not currently in living rooms. Yeah, and I think that when you look at it, big picture, pardon the pun. Um, there's the one that for me, and I, I've mentioned him a couple times, but I think the one that's really going to be the bellwether for whether or not this will be a, a really successful transition long term is Batista, because T Batista is A, seemingly very well liked by his co-stars, and B, is putting on actual performances in movies that are based on his size, let's say, but in the way that like sly stallone's like athletic persona is front it works in rocky does that make sense it's not yeah him being he's a he's, wrestler he's getting, michael, he's getting michael clark duncan roles yes not ivan Drago roles, yes exactly basically. yeah yeah or not 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 zeus tiny lister roles yeah because he seems to actually have real acting chops and be dedicated to it in a way that he's more of an act and he said this I'm not speaking out of school when I say this. He wants to be considered an actor, not a movie star. And I wonder, obviously I'm not going to ask you to name names, but do you see some people who can really transition? Uh, I guess I will have to <laughs> don't say anything bad about anybody, but yeah. Like, uh, do you see like working with the, I feel like the Miz really could take this next leap, but has... It opened up, do you think, more broadly just the idea of – because you have the Miz, uh, Miz and Mrs. as – he's now a re reality television star, even though wrestling yeah. is reality television. Do you see it just – The Rock and Batista and John Cena's success just opening it up for everything for everybody? Like you could see Renee five years from now hosting uh, a show on a network in terms of her – like uh, Entertainment Tonight kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like. It not a straight line from Dwayne and Batista. Like Dwayne got like started the car. Batista made sure the tires were kicked. Um, and then somewhere in between total divas happened. Like that's the real like marketplace shift is when total divas proved to be a gigantic success because that showed that there was something to do, something valuable within wrestling. that's not just buff action dudes. And while Dwayne had at that point surpassed buff action dude, that's still what he was. Like even though he he slimmed down for like be cool and tooth fairy and stuff like that, he was still bigger than everybody else around him. Sand like Shaquille O'Neal or something like that. So it was he he got out of the bit parts, but he was still that guy. Total Divas blew the doors wide open, and if if not for Total Divas, there would not be Miz and Misses at all. That's not a that's not a Dwayne lineage by any means. 
Um, and that specifically got a lot of people who have never seen anything to do with wrestling. And there's multiple stories of people who watched Total Divas before they ever saw an episode of Raw or SmackDown becoming wrestling fans after the fact. Um, and that people in the entertainment industry saw that and saw the value in having the reality, full reality thing that these people can do. And in being introduced to that, they saw the social media presence and the character presence that all of them have within the machine. So yeah, it's valuable, but not a straight line. As people who may, may or may not know, if you listen to Tights and Fights, you definitely know. Uh, you worked on the Rock, the Rocks project, uh, I'm trying to think of the seven dollar seven seven bucks productions uh, and WWE Studios did uh, fighting with my family, right? And do you was that some sort of uh, I don't want you to get too inside, um, but was that some sort of culmination of an idea for them that they could maybe incorporate going forward, uh, having glow equivalent shows, shows that are about wrestling, but aren't necessarily about uh, aren't the WWE's normal product. Meaning like, so like fighting with my family or glow would be the example I would use. Is that kind of something you could see where like, do you, did they look at glow and the success of fighting with my family and go, Hey, there, there's something here. Do you see that happening? There's a chicken and an egg argument there because um, we WWE studios did not pursue and, or from inception create the idea of fighting with my family that was Dwayne and Stephen Merchant after seeing the family's documentary wanting it to happen and they really can't do it without us and so they asked a question and of course we said yes because why not like why would you say no to that and then somewhere in between or right before or right after that conversation happened the idea came along to like okay let's just not do what we've been doing and try to do more on-brand stuff um, and on brand is a thing that is more on the table um, recently, for sure. But again, I can't say for certain whether it was. It's not, it's not due to the success of the movie because we were already moving in that direction while the movie was like being done. Uh, but I don't know if it was spurned because of the interest that we received from doing fighting with my family, or as an, initi- an initiative that helped push it into existence in the first place. Because it's very possible that it could, the question could answer could have been no to Dwayne. Why would you? Don't know, but it could have been no if that was not in the, the appetite at the time. Yeah, if they had the, that wasn't a road that they were already looking down, they would have been like, "Oh, sorry, Dwayne, I didn't notice you there." But no, not so anymore. Very possible. Again, I don't know. It can chicken and egg, um, but that is a definite direction at this time. So uh, wait, we, I don't want to take too much more up too. Mm, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. There it is. Uh, but I did want to finish with this. What would you hope to see? Do you hope to see more? Uh, I mean, obviously you did what uh, things went well with it. Do you hope to see more integration of a re- shows about wrestling that are produced with the, if not the okay, not just the okay, but the, the backing of WWE or do you actually prefer the more genre style productions that were the bread and butter for wwe studios for most of its inception like which i mean obviously i have a a feeling of where you're going to go but do you see a noticeable difference in the 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 
not morale, the 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 uh, horizon being bright. I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. With I would say yes, that I see more evidence of the horizon being bright for the on-brand stuff because of just the reception that it got and the surprise that people had once they saw what it was because most people's initial response to seeing the WWE Studios logo was Ugh, WWE Studios because they know what our usual slate is. Um, so once they got through the movie, they were like, oh, Jesus, that was not, number one, not what I expected in a good way. And number two, actually not just good for a WWE Studios movie, but actively a good project or a good movie to, to have watched. And three, I don't know shit about wrestling, but this was this was great. Maybe I can start watching some wrestling. And I've heard that conversation from a lot of people too. Like folks who got dragged to it or just happened to pop by and did not did not know uh, Wade Barrett from Bray Wyatt, but were willing to tune in and see, like go back to find someone with a network subscription and watch the actual AJ and Page match just to see like what was actually going on there. Like, is this is this legit? Like, did they do it faithfully? Did they make stuff up? Like, what actually happened? And the what actually happened thing is kind of the entire crux of being a wrestling fan in the first place. Like, people wanting to know what's really going on. Uh, so yeah, I think that there's a lot more um, there's a lot more uh, leverage and meat on those bones. Yeah, a lot more truck. I think people say that before. There's some truck with that um, direction more so than the, those genre films for sure. Well, I'll be sad that, uh, well, I guess the Miz spoiler alert dies in Marine 6. So. <laughs> it's been six months. I think we're okay. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like, uh, I would love to see Miz get more stuff because he legitimately worked his ass off on all those pictures. You could do a, a film on his story, too. Like, <laughs> I, I think it would be really interesting. Yeah. So, um, I, I again, I, we don't take up. A- any more of your time, but it was uh, great speaking with you. We'll have you on the show in the future, but uh, we definitely wanted to have you on the Hobbs and Shaw episode. So thank you so much, Darren. Anything you want to plug before we go? No, and just because it's it it hit the trades a little while ago too, just an example of where the direction is going for the studio. We did the deal with A&E to do those wrestler biographies um, for Piper, Booker T, Sean, Stone Cold, and uh, was it Brett, I believe? Was it, oh, Macho Man. It's Macho Man. It's the fifth one. Um, and A&E had that very like critically acclaimed biography series, which they're reviving specifically f- for this first batch of wrestler documentaries. So that just shows where we are in the marketplace as well for our content and our stuff. Yeah, we've you've become an, a cultural institution in a way you sh- should have been 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. All right. So thanks again, Darren. You need to get off the grid. Where? Home. And we are back. Thanks again to Darren. Uh, definitely check out uh, the A&E specials that they're going to be doing for biography with WWE Studios where Darren works. And of course, check out Fighting With My Family, the hit movie that Darren is in the credits of. Ooh. Yeah, he's the uh, business ma- business affairs manager, I believe, for WWE Studios. And he literally went and did the clearance for all of the t-shirts in the crowd the giant crowd that they oh, had so they make sure they can show them. yeah yeah so uh yeah he uh, really proud of the movie but really uh he, i think his brain hurts from watching these so many scenes with so many different t-shirts yeah that's gotta be a lot of t-shirts for that uh t- some would say too much darren specifically has said it several times sure he has. too many t-shirts way too many t-shirts just wakes up in cold sweats in the middle of the night just going t-shirts 
Speaking of Wake Up and Cult Sweats, uh, you recently turned on your tag team partner, right? I did. I turned heel. Um, I had enough of his shit. So uh, I turned on him. So you, you know exactly how both Jason Statham and Ho- both Hobbs and Shaw might be feeling uh, in the trailer when it comes to this idea of can they coexist? Maybe not necessarily because, ironically, you've never really had beyond cut uh, turning heel on one of your tag team partners you've never really had that be a dynamic in one of your tag teams but i wanted to talk to you a little about what it's like when a tag team's actually clicking and gelling and the way and if you can put yourself in the mindset of someone who has to work in the style of a can they co like how the dynamic changes in terms of your chemistry but for you as a guy that has worked a lot of tag teams what's one of the big things that people may not realize about what it takes to get your tag team to actually gel and don't get you don't have to get too inside baseball but just the idea of what it's like to have it's almost like i don't want to i guess in your case it doesn't make sense you almost have like a comedy routine act that you're working on the timing of right it's a lot of timing is that the biggest thing you start to notice when you get good timing with somebody Well, definitely the timing for sure i mean that's with any partner really Mm -hmm. um especially like the comedy gimmick um you have to get a rapport a certain rapport with each other and get a flow between the beats of comedy from each member if it's a comedy team but just in general a team needs a good flow in the ring in terms of style and also just 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 camaraderie in terms of like just working a match more than anything else hey because you want to make your partner look good because you care about them as not that you don't care about the people you work with but you really actually like is it is it a real friendship you you have to be friends with your tag team partner you don't necessarily have to be. It definitely helps if you are. And you have to you have to get along, I would assume. Yeah, it it are. must be it would be really hard, I would assume, to not get along with your tag team partner and try to put on a good show. I'm sure it is. I've heard stories of like teams that have not gotten along. And Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels, who we talked about in the Will They or Won't They episode, which I think is a slightly different thing than Can They Coexist? Because Can They Coexist is this idea of you're del- almost deliberately, depending on the situation, not trying to get along with the person you're tagging with and you haven't had that but what would be the things you might have to change if that was your situation it's a one and done type of thing for the storyline purposes Mm -hmm. that it just based on what story you're trying to tell in the match like if it's too like face uh, like a baby face going up against a baby face champion eventually a pay-per-view and the general manager decides to pair him off against a heel team just to see if they could coexist. Um, and the commentary rate, you know, harps on it a lot. But there's a reason for it. There's a dynamic there. And it kind of, there's a nice little tension there. It seems like, okay, these guys normally, if they're like, if they're cool together and they gel, they, they can easily beat this team. But because they're not so cool right now and they might be a little issuey, um, they might have a hard time with it. And is that something that you see in your experience as someone who's wrestled for 14 years watching on television Um, do you see when people do that that it takes you know how good actors are the best at doing bad acting does that make sense is that kind of people who are the best wrestlers are the best at looking like they don't know what they're doing and are not getting along with the people in the ring well it's it's not even so much not looking like know what they're doing but like 
a lot of the instances like you'll you'll do little things like oh you'll try to show up your partner sometimes mm-hmm. that's one of the yeah, dynamics i was thinking of and that's something you see a lot in the hobbs and Shaw trailer that is kind of the crux it's the one upsmanship of the two guys and the antagonism of the two guys really helps to bring out this almost like more than the sum of its parts kind of thing. And I think when can they coexist uh, Kevin Steen, El Generico kind of stuff where you can really create this dynamic sting and Lex Luger is my personal favorite of two guys that are on opposite sides of the spectrum. Like one of my favorite things with Lex Luger is that he would not, like high five fans unless sting was looking like it's stuff like that where you have to naturally subsume part of your personality into the other person in the tag team and the can they coexist is that's not possible you can't completely like become one unit and but there there, there are times that they do yeah, exactly, and, and that's that, when it that's comes together. Couple tag teams. And then you you complement each other in such a way you're not just stacking qualities on top of each other. And do you find in your experience that the best tag teams are the ones that figure out that? Uh, do you think it's just having two guys that mesh well together, or is it two guys that really lock in almost like puzzle pieces together? Does that make sense? Where it's, there's it's kind of a little both because I mean like people can flow as a team and you know they they'll look good going out there. But to really be a good team, like a really good like top team in terms of tag wrestling, it's it's gonna take a like a good connection, like a pure connection. You yeah. have to really kind of like almost like know what each other like what your next move is going to be really. And that's from that's both in uh, in and out, it, it, both in front of the camera and backstage, right? It definitely helps if it's both that is for sure. That you know what the person's thinking when you're planning things out in terms of your strategy for the match. It definitely helps if you're in the same wavelength for sure. It makes things a lot easier. And is, do you find in your again in your experience, uh, is there a person in, in a lot of the tag teams where they kind of take the lead over another person, or do you see the better tag teams, the ones that are more successful, the ones you've worked with that that gel the best? Have are they equal, or is it really always kind of you naturally have one person that's may slightly take more of a lead in this situation as opposed to another situation? There's more often the guy taking the lead, although um, there's a lot of ideas thrown around. But even just in the regular singles match somebody's gonna take the lead in terms that, of that's what i mean is that there's kind of a natural you can't you have to have a hierarchy of who's doing what and it may be that one person works better and this it does the hot tag and they're just really good at the hot tag i i guess that's my other question is what's it like have you ever gotten a hot tag yeah i've done a, quite a few hot tags actually um is it the best feeling in wrestling other it's... than like winning a title it's definitely up there. It's cool, like rush of emotion. Like you know, you get out there, you get a, especially get a good crowd. Let's get a, you know good cheer. You know, get a roar once you get tagged. Then it's it's a good like boost of adrenaline. It's like a little uh, crank to your system. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think we can. Uh, I don't know. That was a nice. That was a nice callback. You should be proud of that. Um, so. If you could add one person other than John Cena, so I don't know how often you, you listen to the show. John Cena? Well, no, John Cena's already in the Fast and Furious, Furious oh, universe okay. now. Yeah, he is now, yes. So uh, the question I've been thinking about this entire time is if you could pick one person in the history of wrestling to join a movie franchise, let's you don't necessarily have to do the Fast, let's do Fast and Furious, but an action movie franchise. If you could see one 
person in the history, one character in the history of wrestling that like perfectly translated. So you don't lose anything in the translation of the character from wrestling to the movies. So like Jake the Snake is just a cool ass motherfucker. He'd be a great villain. Yes, I agree. That's what made me. Yeah. Um, honestly, and I, I feel like he should probably should have a little bit more roles with it. I mean, he, he kind of worked well in the Marine, the early ones, uh, the Miss. Yeah, I, I, I can definitely there's, see that. There's a reason that he translates well and they use him. Yeah, I, uh, for me, I would like to see, uh, Finn Balor I'd have to at his that. best being the kind of per cool, the, the level of cool he is when he makes his entrance. Does that make sense? I, I, when he has like the leather jacket and you're just like just the cool guy just going up and or just doing backstage videos where he's hanging out with it like that level i think that would be a really cool character to have in an action movie that level of cool guy who's a spectacular athlete and can do all this crazy shit. almost like a kung fu style movie you could do with not necessarily kung fu but like learns his, along his way yeah exactly i think i think he would and he's he's so charming and captivating in terms of his on-screen presence that i really feel like and the same way the miz is miz is is a great screen presence i think finn especially for a guy that small relatively speaking he's a normal sized human being but for a wrestler he's not particularly big he really looks right against people like a braun Strowman and stuff like that does it look like he can beat him necessarily no but you're not shocked when he has a good fight with him and i think that's one of the real appeals for me that would be for a finn balor though i can't i don't know how great of an actor he would be where the miz we know for a fact in real life would make a good actor and even if you took the miz character and put him in movies it would would work work. as a character yeah he should have been johnny cage basically (laughs) Uh, so do you have anything to plug? NYWCWrestling.com. Uh, that is New York Wrestling Connection. Uh, promotion based out of New York and Deer Park. We have a show coming up on May 18th called Master of the Mat, which is one of our bigger shows of the year. Uh, you can also follow it at, at, uh, at NYWC Wrestling on Instagram. I also have my Beer Blood, at Beer Blood and Body Slams on Instagram. Uh, I basically cover horror, pro wrestling, and beer. And then I've got my new character at embrace underscore the underscore Kason. So definitely check all of those out, uh, both the beer, blood, and body slams, and of course your promotions. But for you, the oh sorry, the uh, for you the embrace the Kason is is kind of where you're going to be showcasing some of the stuff you're doing yeah, it's with my new my new character, my new baby. So I'm ready to, to, to reach. And out. really great, you had a really great match. You retired your former tag team partner. The House of a Thousand Beers match. Yeah, I saw the pictures. Uh, they're they're ridiculous what your back look like bruised all over my body yeah but totally worth it because you you ended somebody's career so that's the best thing you could ever hope for it's better than hot tub uh so you can check me out at the next of the t-h-e-n-1-c-k-s-t-e-r you can check us out at how wrestling explains.podbean.com and h-w-e-t-w pod uh rate review and subscribe to us on itunes how many stars should they give us rich Five stars. And if they don't, uh, Andy said you would come to their house and kick their ass. I would. Okay. Just give them, give me the dresses and I will do it. Okay, I definitely will do that. So thank you. Better, I'll kick your ass. Oh, I don't like that. Pick a door. All right then. No, that's my door. Pick another door. What's wrong with you? You know what? You were right. This is your door. What's the matter? You got a lot of bad guys behind that door. Go!
Access granted. Access denied. Access denied. Access denied. Luke Hobbs and Decker Shaw. We've got unfinished business. Your sister took something from me. A virus that could wipe out half the population, and I want it back. You wanna tell me just what we're dealing with here? It's my sister, family, business. When it's the fate of the world, it becomes my business. This whole thing sounds really dodgy. Look after your sister. Listen, I'll handle it. The only way we survive is working together like a team. Let's do this. Buckle up, fat boy. On my three. One. Ah! <laughs> Woo! Hey, see the look on his face? You have no idea how long I've been waiting to do that. Yeah, yeah, because it's one time. The music's already started. Let's see if we can get him sick. So you guys are being hunted by an army of mercenaries led by a genetically enhanced soldier. Look at me. I'm Black Superman. You're crazy. Damn. He really is Black Superman. You need to get off the grid. Where? Home. My babies come home. I'm sorry to bring trouble here, Mama, but I need my brothers. This family is going to war. We're gonna need cars and guns. Mama, where's all our guns? I get rid of them. Very noble, Mrs. Hobbs. No one sure is trouble. That's an understatement. Let's get old school. Well, all right. Tell me this is not happening.